Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, six o'clock, five by one. It means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining me. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. You can also read my stuff at the Big Six blog, where I'm the editor-in-chief, the lead writer at 104.5thezone.com. It's 104.5thezone.com slash Big Six blog. Latest piece up, my review of the True Detective season finale, which was eh, a little underwhelming, quite frankly. Got some other stuff coming up uh, this week for you to check out there as well. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse, which is awesome. So, LeBron James, man. I I like watching LeBron James play basketball. I've enjoyed watching it for 15 years in the NBA. It's been a joy. We live in a very blessed time. And speaking of which, I am blessed beyond measure. I hope you recognize that you are as well. But in terms of sports fans, we've gotten to watch, at least at my age, all of Michael Jordan's career, all of Tom Brady's career, all of Peyton Manning's career, all of LeBron James's career, certainly, all of Tiger Woods's career, all of Serena's career, Federer's career, Nadal's career, Michael Phelps's career, Usain Bolt's career. I saw all of Gretzky's career, basically. All of Mario Lemieux's career. All of, as a Braves fan, all of those pitchers. Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, Chipper Jones. Just the, the list goes on and on. We saw all of Jeter's career. We're watching Mike Trout right now. I saw all of Barry Bonds' career. Now, you can go through any era and you can find guys that, oh, boy, we were blessed to watch this. But I don't know that you've ever been more blessed than you have been now if you're watching sports. I just named a few guys. We can continue. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden. Just keep it going. Charles Barkley, whatever. Whoever you want to go with. Bird, Magic. So LeBron James, I love watching LeBron James, and I hate having to bury LeBron James, but I'm so sick and tired of hearing LeBron James lament what's happening to the team that he chose to play for, the Los Angeles Lakers. They lose last night to the hapless Memphis Grizzlies, a 24-38 team. They lose by 5, 110-105. Now, I don't necessarily... I mean, I find a way to sympathize with LeBron James in one respect, which is they're always going to go to him, and he's always going to have to talk. He's the one that's going to be asked the questions. But, like I said yesterday about Robert Kraft, with great power, with great money, with great fame, does come great responsibility. 
That's why your name was leaked, not the other people in the client list in Florida, and that's why the media is going to go to LeBron James, win or lose. And it's why I question whether or not it would be fun to play with LeBron, because you're generally never going to get any credit, but you will take the blame. The problem is, what LeBron James is saying right now about the Lakers as they're attempting to try and make the playoffs just doesn't wash, folks. And it's irksome, to say the least. Listen, if you will, to what he said last night after this Memphis game, which to me is just mind-bogglingly transparent to try and, I guess, inspire young guys. But what it really sounds like is he he doesn't actually understand that he's the problem here. Listen to this. At this point, if you are still allowing distractions to affect you, how the way you play, then this is this is the wrong franchise to be a part of, and you should just come and be like, listen, I don't. I can't. Like seriously, you're distracted by playoff pushes and all the stuff that's been talked about this year. That. Just come and do your job. We do our job at a higher level, and that's not. That's not. That's not a distraction. That's like that's what you want. That's what you want. Every game, you want to feel like you're fighting for something. That's what you want. What he's saying there, I know it's a little bit hard to hear, but I wanted you to try and hear it in in his own voice if you could. He said, "At this point, if you are still allowing distractions to affect how the way you play." Then this is the wrong franchise to be a part of, and you should just come and be like, "Listen, I, I don't, I can't do this." That's what he said. That was a quote from LeBron James. That's generally what you just heard. He talks about what you want is to be distracted and to want it and all this kind of stuff. So he's lamenting the fact that these young guys are getting distracted. That's basically what he's asserting. And he goes on further on. He says, "Like seriously, if you're distracted by playoff pushes out of all the stuff that's been talked about this year, nah, just come and do your job. We do our job at a high level, and that's not a distraction." And he keeps on going. LeBron, I don't know how to say this any more tactfully than this. You are the distraction. These distractions that you're talking about, I don't know if you're tone deaf or blind to this. We do have blind spots when it comes to ourselves. We can see it in others, but it's a lot more difficult to see those things in ourselves, the negatives in particular. But you are the distraction for this basketball team. Everything in the world centers around you. You tried to trade You tried to do anything you could to get rid of half of these guys, and they know it, and then they had to come back to work with you again. This is a unique situation because you generally don't see this in a lot of other forms of work. Like whatever it is that you do for a living, you meaning the listeners out there right now, whatever it is that you do, generally it would not play out this way where you're trying to get moved to another company by somebody else that wants to get better employees. Now, you might from like a supervisor or something like that. And yeah, there are going to be employees that are out to get you. That's unfortunate, and it's true. And it takes a lot of strength to stay quiet in those moments. And sometimes it takes strength that doesn't just come from us, quite frankly, to stay quiet in those moments. But LeBron James, in the job that he has... No one gives Luke Walton respect because he never gave Luke Walton respect. He's been the coach of these teams that he's played on for years. He won't say that, but talk to Ty Lue and talk to David Blatt and even talk to Eric Spolster for a time and certainly talk to Luke Walton and what he is experiencing right now. 
So LeBron James is the de facto leader of all of this. He's the one that has everybody paying attention. He's the reason Brian Windhorst is out in Los Angeles now. He's why Dave McMenamin's out in Los Angeles right now. But LeBron James, as great a basketball player as he is, the more he runs his mouth this season in particular, the less tolerable he becomes. Because he seems to want this both ways, and I don't actually think that's true because he made the choice to go to Los Angeles to play with the Lakers. He does realize how bad that team was last year, right? He does realize that they don't have anybody else really on that team that has any level of experience except for veteran guys that were always role players, except maybe you could say Rondo wasn't a role player and kind of was part of a big four in Boston for that Celtics club. But LeBron's the only Hall of Famer out there. And Magic Johnson, the dude in the office, who maybe isn't that great at his gig. So he picked the Lakers, and now he's upset because they're not winning basketball games. And he might not make the playoffs with this team. They're now three games out because they've lost two of three since he was, quote, playoff activated last week. He was dinged up for 18 games earlier in the year with the groin injury. He's 34 years old. He's played over 20,000 minutes. He's played extra seasons just in the postseason. If you wanted to win... There were many places that you could have gone and won or been in a better position to win. Stop. We know why you went to Los Angeles. Maybe you went for the future. Maybe you think you can create a super team out there and win in a third's place and and win in one of the two most important hotbeds in NBA history along with Boston. The Lakers are NBA showtime. But you went to a team that did not win And you brought on a couple of veterans that weren't going to help you win particularly. This team struggled to score last year. Guess what they're doing this year? They're struggling to score. Their defense is putrid. And you talk about your effort. You went 8 for 23 last night. And then you talked about everybody else after the game and the distractions and all this. The distraction last night, LeBron, was the ball clanging off the rim off your bricks. And that's not all. Like, just a few days ago, after they lost to the Pelicans, who did not play Anthony Davis that night because of rest issues and because who knows what's going on in New Orleans at this point. He also had comments after that game. Listen to part of what he had to say about his teammates the last time this team lost, which was all of three days ago. This is just... Stop, LeBron. Listen to this. I don't know. I don't know. It's just been so, like, the last few years, you know, everybody's so accustomed to the, the losses that I'm just not accustomed to. I'm not accustomed to it. I would never get comfortable with losing. So, you know, losing game one to Houston, it feels the same way as losing game 59 in New Orleans for me. That's just how I'm built. That's who I am. Ask Dave. Dave will tell you who I am. He's been with me for the last few years. You guys are just starting to learn. By Dave, he's referring to ESPN's Dave McMenamin, who was in Cleveland and who covered him the same way Windhorst has followed him around. So has McMenamin. So basically, he's saying to the rest of the media, you guys don't really know me. I like to win games. Yeah, we do know you. You've won a bunch of championships. You're one of the two best basketball players probably in the history of the sport. We know exactly who you are. But we also know that you went to a team that did not... You talk about how they don't know how to win, and they're so used to losing. You knew this information before you went there. So don't sit behind a microphone at your locker 
acting as if this is some kind of surprise to you. He goes on later on in this. I'm not going to play all of it, but he, he goes on later on and talks about how he thought that they would be able to play better basketball than this. He knew it might be a challenge, you know, getting all these, these losers on his back, but he, he thought that they would be better than this. Based on what, LeBron? Everybody talks about how brilliant you are from a basketball perspective, and I agree. Your basketball acumen is outrageously great, which means I know you already knew when you went to L.A. that this year was basically a lost cause. So what are you doing trying to tell the Lakers fans, hey, man, it ain't my fault. They were right to bring me out here. You know that. Next year, man, next year. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish here other than making sure all the young talent on your team constantly feels like you would prefer they weren't playing with you. You talk about Lonzo Ball's injury and that the injuries really hurt them and all these things. Then you also mentioned that this team doesn't have a sense of urgency from the jump the way that you are accustomed to. Again, it's about how LeBron used to be and like reminiscing about the good old days. The good old days could have been yours. You could have gone to Miami if you wanted to and played with whatever's left of Dwayne Wade. Or you could have gone to another team like Philadelphia, a young team with talent around it, other stars... But you went to L.A. Why? Because Bron Bron was going to play basketball out there. And because you want to do movies. And because you want to be a celebrity and a superstar. You were already a celebrity and a superstar. And last I checked, airplanes can fly from Cleveland or anywhere else to Los Angeles. But you want to be a power player out there. And that's fine. But don't expect me to take you seriously when you continually bury young talent that this is all you can expect from these guys. And, I mean, you're bringing in a Lance Stevenson and a JaVale McGee and a Rajon Rondo. That's not winning you a championship. Nobody was going to beat the Warriors anyway. I'm getting so tired of listening to LeBron James after every loss explain why the talent around him just doesn't understand yet how important it is to win games. It's just as important to me. Game 1 loss against Houston is a Game 59 loss against the Pelicans. Okay. You lost both those games because your team's not very good. And you can continue to say whatever you want about their motivation level and all this. It's just talent, man. You got a bunch of role players on this team. You don't have a second banana on this team. I'm not sure you have a guy that could even become a third banana on this team. Maybe you do. Whatever you guys are able to accomplish in free agency will determine whether or not you win a championship in Los Angeles or not. Your body may start to betray you. But we know how you win in the NBA. You win with other superstars. Nobody does this alone. If you can't do it, virtually no one can. But stop burying Kyle Kuzma and all of these guys that are on this team that aren't giving you what you think that they should because if you thought that they were going to give you more than they're giving you right now, then you're not as smart as I thought. You talking about how you thought that this team would be better and you'd be winning games and this and that. No, you didn't. You're not that dumb. You're a smart guy. So none of this registers as anything but artificial. You went to L.A. for non-basketball reasons, not basketball reasons. Nothing really changed. You didn't do all that much. You didn't get Anthony Davis because of whatever happened there. And so now this season's lost. I hope they don't make the playoffs. I know NBA needs them to, and they need them to finish in eighth so that they can lose to the Warriors, but we get LeBron versus Golden State. I get all of that. I would rather not see them in there. That will become a giant story on its own, but I don't need to hear LeBron James press conferences explaining why they're losing 
in the first round of the postseason. I'll go ahead and tell you why they're going to lose. Because they're not very good outside of you. And you know that. But you don't need to say it publicly. Talk to them. If you want to inspire them, talk to them behind closed doors. That's not stuff we need to know. There are a lot of guys that are talking in public instead of instead of behind closed doors. And it makes no sense. I've got another example of one coming up. Stick with us. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. We are brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but guess what? You can rent it. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Talked a lot about LeBron just talking too much and saying things that just don't make any sense. Like he has no awareness of this, or he's just saying it anyway. Somebody else that said something that doesn't make sense is Pittsburgh Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert. And this happened late last week. And I haven't been on the air to be able to talk about it since or had other things that were a little bit more pressing yesterday that we needed to talk about. But Kevin Colbert basically came out and said that he believes that Ben Roethlisberger publicly criticizing his teammates is perfectly fine. Ben is the unquestioned leader of this group, is what Colbert said to Jeremy Fowler. If our guys were smart, they would listen to him because he's been there, he's done it. He can tell them, no guys, what you are doing is or is not good enough. I honestly believe it can be a burden on him more often than he would like to admit. He has 52 kids underneath him. I want him to step up and say, Ben, what do I have to do? Can I do this better? What do we have to do to win a Super Bowl? Once you win it, you have 53 guys who can say what it took. He's the only one we have. I have no problem with him. He keeps talking about it being a big burden, goes longer and longer and longer, and basically says, look, if he wants to call him out publicly, he should be able to, and they should listen to him. This is insane. Now, I, I could just do 10 minutes on the fact that he called 52 other people under his employ as he's the general manager. He called them kids. These are men making millions of dollars that he called kids in a macho sport. I don't know how that went across. But let me describe something. Ben Roethlisberger said, yeah, I have earned the right. I can criticize publicly. And I've used this analogy before, but it's very true. Yes, you can, Ben. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's that simple. I could drive 100 in my RAV4 right now in front of a state trooper. I can do that. But that doesn't mean I should do it. And you can come up with any number of other examples. Ben Roethlisberger plays on a team that's been in the news for all the wrong reasons, for the most part. Le'Veon Bell and his situation early, and then certainly we've talked plenty on this program about Antonio Brown, and I've said some some pretty pointed things about Antonio Brown. But I will say this about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown did not care for Ben Roethlisberger throwing him under the bus after the Denver game and talking about him running a bad route and wanting him to run it differently in practice in the lead-up to the series, or the season finale for the Steelers in a must-win game, and he checked out on them, and everybody went after A.B., and probably rightfully so. But Ben Roethlisberger, just because he could criticize Antonio Brown, doesn't mean that he should have unless he wanted him to check out or wanted him to disappear. And this is the same thing I'm thinking with LeBron James. Is that going to inspire us that you already think don't really have very much confidence to play harder? Or is it just going to put them under a tremendous amount of pressure And then they take even worse shots or make bad decisions because they're trying to please you. In this case, 
you've got a guy in Antonio Brown that's a bit of a head case. We didn't know it for a while, but we know it now. I guarantee you Ben Roethlisberger has known it for a long time. And it's gotten worse. And so what he does is he goes on his radio show in Pittsburgh and goes after Antonio Brown, the football player, in public for that audience. He doesn't go to Antonio Brown quietly. He goes on the show and does that. Now, Ben Roethlisberger is a guy that has taken responsibility at times for his own mistakes. He has, although he didn't want to take credit for that interception that cost him the Denver game. He went after a couple of other people. But the idea that the general manager thinks, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger calling calling out his teammates publicly is a good idea, baffles me. I heard James Harrison say virtually the same thing. Ryan Clark, I think, said the same thing. There were several former Steelers that said that, and they weren't directly responding to things that they had seen Roethlisberger do. This is just stupid. Ben Roethlisberger went after a guy who was not going to take this criticism constructively. This is where my problem lies. And I think it's the same thing with LeBron. Unless he knows something I don't, I don't think the personalities on that team are going to respond to what he's trying to pull right now. Ben Roethlisberger assured the Steelers that Antonio Brown was going to be a bigger problem in the wake of what he said. There are guys that are wired to handle criticism, and then there are other guys that flat out are not. And I've mentioned it before. Kevin Durant would be on that list. He went from a guy that could handle it to the guy that absolutely could not handle it. So Antonio Brown ends up basically checking out of that game and everybody goes after him. Deservedly so for what he did, but Roethlisberger did not make this situation better. And if Roethlisberger, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, the two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, thought that this was going to be a good idea, then I question the idea that he's a leader in the first place. And I don't think that he did. I don't know what his motivation was here. But this reminds me very much of this LeBron James story. And that's why I'm bringing it up a couple of days after the fact, because it happened, you know, five days ago. These are superstars. These are Hall of Famers. Ben Roethlisberger and LeBron James, folks. And both these guys are making really bad decisions about the words that they are using in public consumption rather than behind closed doors. Maybe he says this stuff behind closed doors, too, but I don't know why Roethlisberger would need to drag any player under the on-my-radio-show bus. There are some guys that, yeah, that's going to drive them to be better. They're going to take that, and they're going to take that criticism and try to be better. I like to think I'm one of them. When somebody tells me I'm not doing something very well, and somebody comes after me on Twitter and says, yeah, you were a little bit dull last night during this take, or whatever it might be, then that's something I try to look at and reflect and do things. But there are other guys that will just check out on you and quit. And that's what we saw in Pittsburgh. And it might be what we're seeing in Los Angeles. It went from a lack of a sense of urgency on Saturday to, well, if distractions are making you just not really know how to play basketball anymore, then you need to go somewhere. You need to go to. You need to come up to us and basically say, I, I need to go somewhere else. This is not a franchise where if you can't handle distractions, you should be. LeBron, you are the distraction. Ben, Antonio Brown was not going to react well to this. And you knew it because you know Antonio Brown. Because you've played with Antonio Brown for nearly a decade. Because you're there with him on the practice field. Because you've watched his act. Because you knew that he wanted to get paid. Because you knew he was disappointed that Juju Smith-Schuster was taking a lot of his receptions. All that Ben Roethlisberger guaranteed was that Antonio Brown 
either wasn't going to be a stealer very much longer, and maybe that was his goal. I don't know. Maybe there's real problems behind the scenes. But Roethlisberger continues to say he wants him on the field because he knows how good he is as an all-pro and everything else. But Antonio Brown, what do we know about him at this point? He's a little off-kilter, a little bit eccentric, and he seems to be pretty fragile. You know what you don't do with something fragile? You don't bash it around or just drop it on the ground to try and toughen it up. Because you know what happens when you drop China on the ground? Or you drop you know, some kind of glass, something or other, on the ground? It shatters. Because it's fragile. It doesn't all of a sudden just get tougher because you want it to. Now you can toughen people up and there are, there's tough love out there and a lot of it exists in sports. But you also have to understand the situation and the scenario that you're dealing with. I don't think LeBron fully does, or he's just trying to say the right thing so that everybody knows that he's trying real hard, even though he's 8-for-23 last night from the field. And there have been questions for the last two or three years about how often he plays defense at a high level because he's trying to save himself. He's trying to conserve energy because they need him on the offensive end. I get all that, but there are many times he is laboring up the floor and not really checking guys and allowing wide-open three-point shots. And then another time he'll come down the floor and get a chase down block that'll be shown seven trillion times on Sports Center. It's just watching all of this operate and watching things like this. The GM of the Steelers sounds like an idiot. And he also sounds like a guy that doesn't understand that calling fifty two other dudes kids, that's probably not going to work out very well either. So Roethlisberger says, Yeah, I have the right to do this. You got the right. Doesn't mean you should. LeBron James has a right to continue saying what he sh- what he's saying. Just say, hey, you know, we got to play better, and then go behind closed doors and try to inspire those guys and say the stuff and, and impart your wisdom. You are the leader, right? Just like Roethlisberger is the leader, LeBron James is the leader. He's the leader. He's the de facto coach. All of these young guys that are playing with him right now idolized him when they were in high school. Maybe some of them even in middle school. Like they've watched his entire career. They know how good he is. They want him to like them, I'm sure. And they want to and they want to get his wisdom. You seek out people that are smarter than you, or you should, unless you are so proud that you don't think anybody else can possibly hang with you. Like you're the only one who should be able to cover this story or do whatever it is in your life, depending on what it is you do for a living. But LeBron is not, he doesn't seem to be showing him love. One thing I did not mention in that first segment is he talks about how chemistry and camaraderie are incredibly important to him. LeBron, buddy, you had people in Indiana chanting, not worth trading to, to, to JaVale McGee, and LeBron's going to trade you to Brandon Ingram. And it wasn't disrespectful for the Indiana fans to do that, because you reaped it. You sowed those seeds of discontent to try and get Anthony Davis there, which did not work, and then you reaped it. But it all fell on the heads of Brandon Ingram. And now it's falling in your head because they're not playing very well around you. Lead. Don't talk. Same thing with Roethlisberger. This whole deal. You're at fault for the end of the Antonio Brown experiment. He might have been on the way out the door anyway, and maybe you already knew it, so you didn't care by that point. I would suggest that just because you think that you have the right to criticize people publicly, that's probably not the best way to handle things. Take it or leave it. We'll be right back. This is a Big Six on 104.5 The Zone.
Welcome back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Appreciate all your contributions coming in through that way. If you want to give the show a call, 615-737-1045. May not get to calls tonight. So I have spent most of the last two days kind of ranting and venting. and My voice has been raised. Talking about LeBron. Talking about Roethlisberger and comments that were being made. And people saying things that aren't necessarily positive, aren't constructive. And yesterday we talked about a really terrible story when it comes to Robert Kraft and the New England Patriots situation, not the Patriots, but but Kraft's situation in Florida with the massage parlor. And I said I didn't want to talk about the Robert Kraft angle, and I don't care whether or not you think prostitution should be legalized or not. That's irrelevant. The fact that Kraft's name was attached to this at least got us to pay attention to the human trafficking side of this that we need to be paying attention to. We live in bubbles and we shouldn't. But I want to spend a couple of minutes playing some audio for you in this segment. And then we'll do our pro and con in the final and there's going to be a really cool pro with some more audio. But sometimes you can say encouraging things. And it takes courage to say encouraging things. And with all the negativity... And all the snark that that surrounds the business that I work in from time to time, and certainly I find myself trading in, there are some people with gigantic platforms, much bigger than I will ever have, that find a way to use it for good in courageous fashion that could cost them, quite frankly. And so I'm going to play two pieces of audio for you here. One from last week, late last week, Tim Tebow, talking about how to... Respond to naysayers. Advice for children that I think that if you've got a child in your car with you right now and you're on the way home, or if you're alone, maybe you can talk about this with him at the dinner table tonight or with her at the dinner table tonight. Listen first to what Tim Tebow had to say about naysayers and about who defines him. You know, it's it's really trying to keep perspective and um, and not letting other people define you because they sure do want to. And um, shoot, it's you know, I try to encourage young people all the time to not let the world or um, other people outside sources define you because you're always going to have critics and naysayers and people that are going to tell you that you won't, that you can't, that you shouldn't. Most of those people are the people that didn't, that wouldn't, that couldn't. And um, and don't be defined by outside sources. You go after your dreams. Um, succeeding or failing is not making it to the bigs or it's not necessarily fulfilling that. It's not. It's having to not live with regret because I didn't try. And and you know, I just feel for all the young people out there that don't go after something because they're so afraid of failing that you're going to live with a lot more regret than you would have if you tried and you failed. And I'm very passionate about that. Um, and I think the reason that a lot of people don't go after things is because um, how much you will be criticized. And what if I fall flat on my face? And so fear and doubt and all these things creep in. And um, I just don't believe that's the healthiest way to live. I don't want to have to live with fear or doubt every day. And you know, regardless of what everyone here says about me, it doesn't define me. And I'm so grateful that doesn't define me. There's one thing that defines me, and that's what God says about me. And, and besides that, I get to go live out my dreams and try to help as many people along the way as possible. There's really nothing I have to add to that, except that Tim Tebow appears to be everything we've always thought that Tim Tebow was. And he used this platform right there to talk straight to young people. And uh, I feel like sports is just a vehicle for him more so than anything else. He doesn't need sports. He could make a living doing so many other things, or he could just go help a bunch of people. 
but he also knows that sports gives him a chance to say things like that in front of cameras and microphones in an easier fashion. And he has a passion to play the game. And so he's going to continue his baseball dream. And there's nobody out there, at least for me, there's just no way to root against him, Tebow. There's just not. And there's nothing I can add to what he said there. But I think it bears, when we talk about so many negative things, and we had to talk about such an ugly story yesterday, and we let off, and I kind of ranted about a couple of guys that I don't think are saying things that are particularly positive right now, or particularly self-aware right now, that there are some that do, at risk to themselves. Now, Tebow has his detractors, ones that want to see him fail for whatever reason, But if you think that was impressive or you think that that was a gutsy thing to say, that's the kind of thing Tim Tebow says a lot. There's another guy, and this was a couple of years ago, but I thought about it when I saw that Tebow audio and I immediately went to grab this. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I kind of cut out part of it. You should go listen to the whole thing. It's about four minutes long. It's Chris Pratt, one of the biggest movie stars in the world, from the MTV Movie Awards back in 2016. After he won an award for Guardians of the Galaxy. He came up and he had what he called the nine rules from Chris Pratt that he wanted the young people to hear. And in the business that he works in and in the company that he keeps and in the city where he finds himself probably most often when he's not on location filming, this, folks, takes real courage. Just listen to pieces of this. Number one, breathe. If you don't, you'll suffocate. (laughs) Number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it. Number three, don't be a turd. If you're strong, be a protector, and if you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, and do not wield them against the weak. That makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. Number five, doesn't matter what it is, earn it. A good deed, reach out to someone in pain, be of service, it feels good and it's good for your soul. Number six, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that, I do. Number eight, learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, number nine, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. Like I said, Go try to find that whole deal. The whole video is out there. I don't have time to play that in an hour show, but I wanted you to hear part of that and just just the courage that it takes to stand up in front of that audience and that crowd and those peers and say some of the things that Chris Pratt said right there. Just a reminder, and I've said this before, and this will be a refrain that I hope that I can use as long as I'm blessed enough to be behind this microphone and have you out there listening to me. We still outnumber them. Good does win in the end. If you want another example, you can impart maybe at the dinner table tonight. Harry Potter did beat Voldemort, folks. And he beat him with love as the weapon. 
Bet you didn't expect to hear that tonight on 104.5 The Zone. And you know, I didn't add to the discourse earlier when I went after LeBron or when I went after Roethlisberger and what I don't believe are positive contributions right now that are being made with some of the things that they have chosen to say about teammates and people in their lives. I added to the chorus because I was negative and I took shots and all those things. So I can take a lesson right here too. None of us are perfect. That's how Chris Pratt ended that. And there was a little bit more after that that I cut after he talked about grace being a gift. But thank goodness it does exist. When we come back, a little bit more feel-good stuff. Something happened last night on television that we should all be able to celebrate. And we will as we return next. The Big Six. I'm Jason Martin here on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program tonight, the Big Six, rolling along here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm so thankful, so blessed that you've made me a part of your evening. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter, at jmartzone. Thanks for a lot of what you guys are saying. Again, I urge you to find that Chris Pratt audio. We are brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. Thankful for them being on board here, the Big Six as well. So, five days after my birthday last year, on October the 22nd, 2018, and this is pro and con, it's something that some I'm a fan of, something I'm not a fan of, and we tried to get kind of positive in the back half of this show, and this is going to be positive, but it's going to start out negative. Rather than talk about this, I'm just going to let you hear it. Here is what happened on October the 22nd, 2018. For months... Maybe even a full year, I've come out here and spoke as Roman Reigns, and I said a lot of things, you know. I said that I'd be here every single week. I said I'd be a fighting champion. I said I was going to be consistent, and I said I was going to be a workhorse, but that's all lies. It's a lie because the reality is my real name is Joe. And I've been living with leukemia for 11 years. And unfortunately, it's back. And because the leukemia is back, I cannot fulfill my role. I can't be that fighting champion. And I'm going to have to relinquish the Universal Championship. Of course, that's just the pro wrestling side. Roman Reigns had to step away to battle leukemia, which came back on him. And so he disappeared back in October. And it was super sad, and that that guy was very controversial in that the company wanted him to be the top hero, the top babyface, as it's termed in pro wrestling parlance. But the fans rejected it. For various reasons, they just did not get behind him because they felt like he was a corporate creation. He came in this studio, and Brandon Hagney and I interviewed him back in 2014 when he was in town for an event, and he was just a tremendous human being. The only thing that mattered was, man, I hope he comes back. Not so I can see him wrestle again, but because I know he wants to do that and because it means that he's beaten this thing. And so if you want to hear inspirational, how about from October the 22nd, 2018, last night, February the 25th, 2019, just over four months later in Atlanta, Georgia, this happened.
I miss y'all. I'm serious, I missed y'all. There is no other job like this. There's no other fan base like you guys. And I've said this before, I'm a man of faith. I've always believed in God. I've always believed that he's favored me and looked out for me, but But I'm not going to lie, before my announcement in October, I was terrified, y'all. I was scared. I was insecure. And I didn't really know if I wanted to share that secret with the world. And if I can do that, I'm going to use this platform, this giant WWE platform that is global and the whole world can see it. I'm going to use it to raise awareness and I'm going to use it to support those who are in need just like I was. Well, we advertise it as an update, so should we get to the update? The good news is, I'm in remission, y'all. So with that being said, the big dog is back! Now, I know this is a new segment, and it's called Pro and Con. And there's going to be something good and something bad every time that we do this segment. And we're going to do it every single day on this show. Ain't nothing bad today, folks. I can't do it. You know what? There is something bad. It's called cancer. In every form. Leukemia in the case of Roman Reigns. And that's why we're doing what we're doing here at The Zone. It's why Jonathan Hutton is, is going after this Man of the Year honor. Not to win some kind of honor. But because he felt like, you know what, just donating money's not enough. It has hit us hard in this building. It has hit someone we love, someone we care about, in their family. Cancer as a whole has hit multiple people in this building within the last year and is still hitting them. Cancer sucks. Cancer's bad. Con doesn't go far enough. Hashtag Team Hutton1045. Hutton1045.com. Donate. Get involved. we got a lot of cool events that we're all going to be a part of through the end of April. We just want to beat this thing. We don't care if you donate to him or donate anywhere else. The Roman Reigns thing is just fantastic news on every conceivable level. There is nothing negative about that. That reaction, and if you did not see the whole segment, go find it on YouTube. I only played pieces of it. But leukemia and cancer as a whole, we got to do more than just talk about how bad it is. We've got to put our time, we've got to put our prayer, yes, and we've got to put our money where our mouth is. And that goes for me, too, behind this microphone. 
So in this final segment, and I won't be with you for the next two days as you've got Tennessee basketball tomorrow and another sporting event coming up on Thursday, I'll be back with you on Friday evening. Consider how you can help. And you know what? Not even just this cause. Find things you're passionate about and get involved in them. Chris Pratt said in the last segment, prayer is good for your soul. A lot of things are good for your soul. But there is nothing, ladies and gentlemen, nothing like service. I celebrate with Roman Reigns. We all do. What a great moment that was to witness that happen. So the only con here is that cancer still exists. And it's probably touched you or someone you love. So do go to Hutton1045.com. Go to 1045thezone.com. You'll see links there as well. Follow Jonathan at Hutton1045. We're all in this together. This is a fight we can agree upon. In a world that is split and divided on so many fronts, there's no division here. This is 100%. Let's get this thing out of here. That is also a way to make you smarter. I didn't even have to work at this one. This is just common sense, folks. I love you all. See you on Friday. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. 